That's all I know, no, no. Ain't no joke. Ain't no joke. Now that's for show, show, show. She on my line. She on my line. Please leave me alone, no, no. Get to the door. Get to the door. That's all I know, no, no. Get out of my way. Don't get close, close, close. Get to the cage. Hello and welcome back to the No Names, No Numbers podcast. I'm your host, Pat LaBelle, and we have the one and only Mac, return of the Mac in studio today. Uh, One of the finest writers east of the Mississippi. I'm a huge fan of her work. I can't believe she's wearing a, I'm not even going to say it, no free ads on this program. It's very hurtful she showed up wearing an ad. I can't even believe it. Me and Sajali are very, very upset. But on a lighter note, Matt, well, Mac, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Pat, and thank you for that introduction. <laughs> yeah, really, really boosting your confidence and totally. not making you any less nervous. Uh, can you start out, Mac, just kind of telling us uh, what's been your work this year as far as writing goes, uh, particularly with the Collegian? Yeah, so um, uh, with writing in general, I'm a communication and journalism double major, so I find myself doing a lot of writing, but... Um, Focusing on the Collegian, I write for the op-ed section. Um, I actually got hired at the beginning of the semester as an assistant um, for the social media department, so that's kind of like working with content. But when it comes to op-ed, I find myself um, lacking arguments this semester and finding myself more in the arts section. Um, That's where it's just like culture and lifestyle and other topics like that, but I'm finding that I'm gravitating more towards that style of writing than actually like arguing an opinion every week. but yeah. So as far as the arts go, is that like covering music or what exactly does that entail? Yeah. So arts is like a range of things. It's really about just exploring a subject. Music is huge. A lot of people focus on artists, new albums. They evaluate those, go in depth about like what the lyrics have to offer as well as what the artist did to work on the project. Um, but other things are as simple as if I were to start um, an article for op-ed per se, that I actually had just written one about like the power behind our relationships with dogs. Um, if my argument wasn't strong enough about being why dogs are like prominent to us human beings, then it would more fall under the arts column because it's more about me exploring what our relationships with dogs do rather than arguing something about the relationships with dogs, mm. um, if that makes sense. I, I didn't get a chance to read that. I'll just be honest. What was that about? Yeah, Could you so, fill us in a little bit? Totally. Well, growing up. I love up, my dog. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Magenta is the name of my Dutch Shepherd. She's been my best friend since she's come into my life. And I didn't have anything growing on my mind other than the fact that I simply missed her the other week. And I'm really taking advantage of writing about the things I'm passionate about. So I um, pitched that idea of just writing about what her relationship does for me, especially being away from her at school. And I ended up writing an op-ed piece because I got it to be a a bit more argumentative about how these relationships with dogs do stimulate us as humans and how, you know, there's therapy dogs now and why those are so important to people and really just the impact these animals have on, like, the way we go about our daily lives. Mm. I know, even just seeing a dog around campus, I mean, how can it not boost your spirits a little bit? I agree. I mean, I think animals bring us a joy that, like, personally humans aren't capable of bringing to other people. Mm. Yeah, writing about dogs, great for clickbait, too. Uh, Got to call you out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, ki- I'm kidding. No, not really. Uh, but as far as classes go, uh, has anything stuck out to you so far? Uh, what's been cool? 
Yeah, so this semester, I'm actually really excited to talk about this. I'm in Journalism 492 here. It's magazine writing. Um, and I really like it because throughout college so far, I've been focusing on news writing. I thought with journalism, that's all there really was to it up until this semester. Um, my professor is Brad Tuttle. He's amazing. I've learned so much already this far into the semester. But basically, it's like taking a step away from your typical journalism of just like reporting an event and not that that isn't special in its own way because it definitely is but it's going more in depth with your reporting you're really experiencing people with your interviews it's more in-depth questions it's um exploring what they're all about or the experience that you're sharing is all about and writing about it in a way that puts the reader in the lens of the writer. You want to paint a picture. It's all about the show, don't tell. That's what's preached throughout, mm. um, and it's really important. So that class has really given me an opportunity to explore my writing style, and honestly, it's changed the way I've been writing for the Collegian because I am finding that I can be more creative in my journalism practice. Mm. Yeah, I you know. We were talking before we started recording about how that's one thing that kind of, I'll say, stinks about the journalism is it's always pushed on you. Don't put your personality into it. Um, but I, I don't think that's really true at all. And is the, do you think the magazine kind of gives you a little leeway with that? Or what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I would agree that um, I found myself lacking a voice when it came to the traditional news writing journalism. I had taken Journalism 300 here, which is literally news writing and reporting last semester. And not that I didn't gain a lot from that class, which I did, and I understand that style. But magazine writing allows you to put your voice in and put it in a way that like makes it intriguing for the reader. You're not only writing about something that's happened, but you're going in depth and detail. And it takes you as the writer into it as well. Um, and one thing I can learn that I've really took away from this class so far is that if I'm not feeling it as a writer, I know for a fact the reader isn't going to feel it. Mm. So if I'm not picking the right scene to open up with an in-depth lead with, then I know that that's not going to work or you know resonate with the reader. So I change that. But ultimately, it gives you the power to practice journalism in a way that your voice is involved, as well as cr a lot more creativity. It gives you a lot more room to work with. Mm. I know, like being, when I, anybody that's a writer, I feel like it's easy to be your harshest critic. Um, so like that's it's cool how you mentioned that like if you're confident in it you're proud of it other people will probably relate to it but if not might be a dud exactly and I will say in this class we do a lot of pitching ideas getting feedback from everyone as well as reviewing our drafts with everyone um, and so we had our first piece recently done and I was super scared to go to class that day because people were reading my writing and oh, wow. it, it wasn't something I was super confident on just because you know, with deadlines, you're rushing it. You're not giving it the time that you really feel like it deserves or that will do it the total justice. And after hearing my peers' feedback and getting what they liked and what I could add to, I felt so refreshed and so happy with myself for, like, getting that over with. And now I understand that, like, feedback from even your classmates is huge. Mm. Getting it from my professor himself is amazing, but your peers see it the way you see it a little bit more. And it's refreshing to know that you're not beneath the surface. You're actually right there afloat, you know? Mm. To no, totally. Uh, in high school, I took a writing workshop class, and that was a big part of it. Like, you had to share your work with other people. And it's pretty vulnerable. Like, yeah, a lot of the things you write, like, oh, I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. But afterwards, I did. I felt more confident. Um, so I can relate to that, for sure. Uh, we've kind of been talking about trust in yourself, but... I want to switch a little bit to 
people's trust in media nowadays. And I was mentioning to you how, like when Walter Cronkite, when he was on the TV, like he was the most trusted man in America. And, you know, I just look around now and I'm like, who's the Cronkite of our generation? Like, I don't know if yeah. there necessarily is one. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? And I guess the kind of distrust with media now. Or the main, the mainstream ones, at least. Yeah, and kind of what we had a conversation about prior to, I just want to express that I feel myself in a bit of a contradiction um, right now because as I study, I'm also studying public relations, I have to view each platform with such density. And so when it comes to not having total trust in our media, that is huge. And I don't think people realize how huge that is. I mean, the content that's being put out there is not fact-based. It's really just a lot of opinions coming from individuals that need to be fact-checking what they're putting out there, you know? We're supposed to have trust in the individuals that are providing us with false information, and that's huge because, like I just said, these platforms are our outlet, but they're also what we look for professionally nowadays. Like, Twitter is huge. Facebook is huge Mm. in the job search and just representing yourself in the world. And so when we don't have that trust, or especially the trust in individuals who are proving that they're untrustworthy, it leaves us in a gray area of how do we view these platforms now and how do we advance from this? Mm. And you bring up a great thing with Twitter, and that has allowed so many voices now to enter in where back in the day, it's like you had your three channels. Like you better have believed what they were saying. There's nowhere else to get it. Now it's like, I can find this on a podcast. I can find this, whatever I want. And there's a lot of like spread out of where you can get sources, which is good. You get a lot of different perspectives, but also can kind of hurt the unity around the news a little bit, I think. Definitely. And I think it's important to note, and I know you and I have spoken about this before, that even though these platforms are great for being updated on events that are happening or really just news-related um, subjects you can find on there, but it's important that people also get their news from credible outlets. You know what I mean? Mm. You shouldn't just look to social media because that's not, like we just said, it's not completely trustworthy. I know. Oh, and that's something that's kind of underrated right now, I think, is the whole, obviously, com major biased, but the media literacy, like, I think that kind of gets taken for granted. Like, you really do have to look, what's the name at the top of the page? And, like, who are they connected to? Who are they funded by? Uh, and a lot of that stuff's kind of sketchy. Like, I, I, I don't want to be all, like, conspiracy or whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, it's important to know, especially something that kind of saddened me a little bit was figuring out a lot of these big networks, it's more about entertainment than just giving the news. Like, but that's the whole thing with the 24-hour news cycle. Everything's breaking news. Everything's happening right now. It's like, can we maybe pump the brakes, like get all the facts and be a reporter instead of a commentator? Yeah. Is that I'm, too much to ask, Mac? I couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, I think what's also kind of something I fear and I think other people fear is that like, news isn't just news, it's also its own business. So obviously, when it comes to like all these other interjections, the commentary is not a part of what I'm commenting on right now. The added commentary by reporters that is unnecessary and also swaying of opinions is definitely not okay and definitely not true journalism. Um, however, when I mention like the other business aspect, I mean like when it comes to advertisements or sponsors or people being embedded into these news channels that by appearance and in reality don't belong there it's a lot about financially supporting these stations and I think it's important to recognize that you really can't trust anything 
you do your you need to do your own research. Anything you hear or read, um, not take with a grain of salt. Evaluate it and then just back it up. Make sure you're finding that information. You brought up a good point about checking the names. I've learned it's not just about the dates or the names, but it's also about checking what they're citing within those like resources. Um, who are they tied to? What organizations are they representing? Because a lot of the information we receive today is super, super biased. Mm. Oh, my. Well, one thing I just learned about this kind of like a little bit different, but same uh, theme, I guess, is native advertising, which basically what that is, is it's articles that they look just like a regular article. But then there will be like a little line like underneath the header where it's like sponsored by such and such. Yeah. Like I saw this. There was something that was ridiculous. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it might have been something about like prisons, but it's like sponsored by Orange is the New Black, like just stuff like that. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and that's one area where like this is why I think books are kind of underrated is at least when you read a book, you know, someone took the time to sit down, research, and write that book. They took their time on it. It's when you're in the machine and you got to be just putting out content, you might not have the same level of thoroughness, I think. No, I agree. I mean, like all news, it's all, always read more time books. is essential. <laughs> Definitely read more books. I think that's something that we <laughs> lack in today's society. But um, yeah, news channels have to continuously generate news and like I know in news literacy, for example, in our journalism department, I took it as a freshman and it taught me a lot about how these channels are just constantly on the go and there are mistakes being made. And the, the channels that don't own up to those mistakes, that's where we have a major loss in what we're educating our public. You know what I mean? Um, for example, if something gets put out there that you later they later get the news that it wasn't actually correct. Like, that's huge to let that n be known. Or, you know what I mean? Especially when it comes to writing. But you brought up a good point about when it comes to studies or books being published. Like, there's a whole process to that. Everything's fact-checked. Um, it wouldn't get through if it wasn't. At least, we hope. <laughs> um, but when it comes to news channels, it's super important to be on point with everything that's being spoken about. And it's so true and it's so cliche what they say, though, um, that what you put out there is always out there you know mm. and i don't know why it's not paid a little more mind to i know oh my goodness uh oh well let's this is kind of a different let i want to go back to our our class last year our last semester sorry um with what was it com as a social what was it social, social media impact media, yeah, media <laughs> of impact um like I, one thing that stood out to me in that class, in kind of a positive way, like this is totally unrelated, but it's how like you can use the internet for good too. And I mean, I, I admit it, like I definitely throw my shit on, online. Like I'm not trying to be Gandhi on the internet by any means. <laughs> but we learned about one thing, uh, I believe it happened in Mexico, and they were trying to start a literacy program. And remember, I gave my presentation on this. Or maybe not. Maybe it wasn't that memorable. Anyways... Uh, they were trying to start a literacy program and what they did was they made a show um, and it was showing this is like goes into representation in media where it was like the people they were targeting to join the program. They put those kind of people in the show and they saw this huge increase and in people enrolled for it. And that for me was like, whoa, yeah, shows can just be like kind of kick back and relax, but I mean, they can be used to help in real life too, not just kind of watch it as a show. Um, 
I don't know, like, do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Where like using media kind of as more than just entertainment, kind of inspiring change? No, I definitely do. And these are, this is actually one of the topics that I find myself very passionate about. Um, when it comes to like content on TV, which um, I'm going to separate, and obviously we took a step back from news, so that's definitely not what I'm referring to. But when it comes to like even just the average TV series, I think there's something to say about what modern day Hollywood is putting out there with the things they embed, because it's so true. And we learned about it all last semester in that class of what, like feeding into this media, constantly seeing it, hearing it, um, scanning it in your own mind afterwards when you're away from the screen, what it does to you psychologically. So I think it's important that there are producers out there putting modern topics in there that for us to register and kind of keep in mind because as we get older and especially the younger generations I'm speaking to, you're processing things, things at such a shallow level that they're going to soon get deeper and deeper embedded into your mind. And I just think it's crucial that the content being produced is something that's going to long-term help us. Mm, I know, because a lot of the same, like, themes are used over and over. Like, I think one we learned about was kind of, what was it, like, the damsel in distress in horror movies, or it was something like that. Yeah. There's just a lot of those tropes that just get used over and over, and you don't really think twice about it. It's just, oh, like, that's the way it goes. You know, someone runs away. They're all scared. Yeah. Stuff like that. Noticing Um, the patterns, as well as what the patterns register in your mind as. Um, Because I think when you mentioned the horror topic, it had to do with, like, females being viewed like negatively for the sexual relations shown in the actual films mm. and then later like I think the study was about like murder scenes coming close after that oh yeah you're right you're right but like these are details that like people don't think about but like watching it you're not realizing that you're encoding this into your brain you know what I mean mm. uh, another thing that stood out to me in that class was learning about framing it's something so simple but just the wording of a headline, it really can change everything about how you read it. Um, just the power of like changing one or two words. Could you speak a little bit on that, um, on the framing aspect of things in the news? Definitely. So that is huge. Framing, you can, a lot of people, um, thankfully, can realize what they're reading nowadays is being framed a certain way. Like, you know, when you're getting um, something from a liberal side, or you know, when you're getting something from, more of a conservative lens just because of the way the sentence structure or the way um, synonyms are used, but they're not exactly synonyms. If anything, they're becoming more antonyms when it comes to (laughs) updates with news. True, true. But even um, just to speak about framing on just a day-to-day basis, after learning about it and doing as much research as we did with that, I realized, like, it's in everyday life. It's the way you present information. It's huge. Like, even just conversing with my friends these days, I've called myself out on it, and I'm like, that's not giving the reciprocator of the information that you're speaking an honest chance to evaluate and think for themselves. It's almost like, if you're like, can you believe they said that? Are you framing it in a way for them to be like, well, no, they're going to be like, oh, exactly. I can't believe they said that. Yeah, and not to say that, like, we as humans are like... And none of us are perfect, yeah. Yeah, obviously. exactly. Like, everyone has their times, and, you know, there's something to say about close relationships. Friends know when you're just, like, speaking out of, like the moment and things like that. But I think it's important that people really sit back and realize like if they're not going to see it in the news or at least if they're going to start seeing it in the news to first evaluate how they themselves present information. I think that's huge today. And it's the way even our professors speak to us that it encodes in our brains a certain way. And usually I will say like I'm grateful for the professors I've had. So I'm 
like totally fine with the, the way things have been spoken to me, but it is important to recognize when something's being framed to you, you know? And like I said, I don't want to call people out for being weak-minded or anything because we all do it, but it's hard for people to speak up and be like, oh, I actually disagree. So when people are framing information to you or towards you in a way that you can't be like, oh, no, I, I don't really agree with that. That's huge. That's a abuse of power. No, I, I completely agree. Um, and you, you mentioned, uh, like, obviously like the political framing's obvious, but even the example in class was sports. It was like after the Super Bowl, and you could so clearly tell. We, we remember we had to guess. We were yeah. like, oh, who did this one? We're like, well, this was obviously L.A. It was right after the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, this was L.A. This was New England. I thought that was interesting. Uh, it's very interesting. I mean, the point of journalism is to be objective, and those were two journalistic pieces that were, if anything, 100% bias. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Mac, that's pretty much all I have for you for today. Uh, where can people find your work? I want you to plug yourself. Oh, thank you. Um, so you can find me on The Collegian. Just look up Michaeli M. Cookess. Um, I also do a lot of my posting off my like Twitter and Instagram pages, which are both just Mac Cookess or M. Cookess. Um, just search me. And yeah, I'm constantly writing, constantly doing things. So totally. Mac rocks. Make sure to check out her work. Thank you so much for coming on. You're coming on again soon. I'm locking <laughs> it in. Thank you for having me, Pat. Get out of my way, don't get close, close.